Good morning, Cornerstone. Great to be together. Great opportunity to look at the Word of God. I'm just going to take a sip of water, then we're going to pray. Part four of our Kingdom Finance series, and today is all about stewardship. We're going to look at the life of Isaac in a kind of allegoric way and apply it to being good stewards. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the wonderful way in which you have led us and continue to lead us. Lord, we're excited about seeing the gospel go out in our city, and we trust you that across our city today, um, as your word is preached, as Christ is elevated, as the gospel is made clear, that we'd see signs following many, many people uh, give their hearts to you, decide to follow you as Lord and Savior. And then for the Christ followers, that we'd wake up to the mission. We would really become those that are made to fish and commissioned to go. To, to go. So we look to you as we read your word, as we handle some very practical matters that you'd give us insight. And where perhaps we've allowed some error or just slackness to come in when it comes to our finances that we would see in a very practical, biblical, spiritual way um, that we would move into the freedom that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So part four is the end of our series on kingdom finances, but at the same time, next week we're going to just look at something that relates to the sites. We want to trust God for some testimony. So if you've got a testimony I know of one at least of something that God has done that would encourage others. Please come, uh, speak to one of the elders or leaders. Let us know so we can include it next week as well. Um, so this morning, I want to start with two qu uh, quotes and a scripture and then launch into a very practical, basic definition of what stewardship is all about. You know, obviously, we are required to steward every area of our lives, whatever you've been blessed with, right? Whatever talent, what is your talent? You remember the talents were handed out, guy got five, another one, three, another one, one. The one with the one headed away and then he, he kind of had some lame excuse why I never used it. Okay, so whatever talent we've been given, we need to steward that. God requires us to use that deposit he's put in us to serve him, but not just him. It's in serving him, we serve in the body we're making ourselves available for the mission that he's called us to. What a privilege. I love this walk as Christ followers, okay? So stewarding our talent, stewarding our time. You know, often we think, you know, my sum total, total commitment, kind of pitch at meetings, drop some bucks in the offering, and then that's it. No, time. You know, it's, it's, and it's not this, you know, legal system over me, you shall give so much time. No, I need to wait on God. I need time in his presence. I need time to read. I need to make time available so that I can minister in whichever way God has called me to, to the unsaved, to those in the local church. Very important commodity that we often underestimate. We need that as well. Uh, we need good stewardship with that as well. And then, of course, the one we're looking at now is stewardship of our money, okay? The resources God has blessed us with. I want to make it available to him. Right now, pitch. Uh, we covering the basics of this. We run an incredibly good finance course. Uh, Laurie Leo has overseen it for some years, 
and we want to get it going again because we realize, you know, lockdown has kind of not dealt with us kindly when it comes to money. It's like there's a fear, uh, there's an overreaction to it. That's why we're doing this course, just to, this, this series, just to get us to the place where it's kingdom finances. I'm handling my money God's way. So we run this course, and it'll go into a lot more detail of explaining debt and explaining how to run a good, godly budget, right? So with that said, let's start off with our quotes. 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus deal with money. Shocking, I know. One out of 10 verses in the New Testament deals with that subject. New Testament, 10% is dedicated to the subject of money and stewardship. Scripture offers about 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, and over 2,000 on money. The believer's attitude towards money and possessions is determinative. So this is a quote from John MacArthur in his commentary on Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. So very interesting that there would be that kind of almost lopsided waiting when it comes to Jesus dealing with the subject and the other writers of the New Testament. Why? Because it's a battle we are confronted with daily and it's a temptation that grips us at all times. And most times we kind of think, now we've made it and there's a fresh challenge. And it's amazing some of the ways in which the enemy attacks as he does throw these kind of scares at us and storms. And, you know, you kind of think, I've just made it now. I've paid off that. And now the car breaks down kind of thing. Or, you know, there's some kind of challenge. Or like with us currently now, the challenging situation we're in is we need finances. We, we really do. When we, some months we, we haven't made it. Uh, I just want to be honest with you. So we need every person, every hand on deck, every believer in the local church committed in this way as well. So in other words, there's a battle to fight here, and we've got to get this right. We've got to know the system, biblical system, and then we've got to persevere. See, Isaac's going to teach us how to kind of keep it going. So Isaac's an interesting character because we have Abraham, the initiator of the dream from God. You know, I'm going to raise you up to be a nation. You know, I'm going to give you this land. You're going to kind of impact the world, Abraham. That's really the first apostolic call. And then you have two generations later, you have Jacob, who has two wives and he has 12 children. And suddenly this explosion of, of growth, we're starting to see, you know, the numbers increase. And so, you know, it's like there the nation Israel begins. So what God promised Abraham, we see fulfilled in, in Jacob, but starting to be fulfilled. And Isaac, he's the bridge. He's got to keep the vision going because what God starts in Abraham, we're going to see it fulfilled. What God starts in your life, we're going to see the blessing. We're going to see the multiplication. We're going to see the Jacob season, if you want to call it that, come. It will come. It, it really will. But how do we get there? Perseverance. If there's one statement that has defined this local church, it's faithful persistence through every season, and Isaac shows us that. Another quote from Theodore Epp. Never met the man, don't know who he is, but we're going to learn a little from Theodore. 
we should never think that once we have given some money and time to the Lord, that the rest is ours to do with as we please. All that we have belongs to God, so he should be taken into consideration in everything we do. There is kingdom principle number one. And we've handled it as we looked at tithes and offerings. Everything belongs to God. And he gives us the privilege to, to bring into the storehouse our tithes. He gives us the privilege of being moved in our hearts and, and to be generous. Uh, but yet, we can't now go wildly out of control <clears throat> with the rest <clears throat> and run up debt and, you know, you know live you know, with, without biblical foundation to our actions. No, God wants to help us with that as well. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, yes, the biblical challenge. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So if you want one defining characteristic with your budget, it's faithfulness. Of course, integrity, of course, obedience, but I want to be faithful with what gave me. I want to count well for the blessing that I've received. So if to summarize financial stewardship, it would be this, obedience and thankfulness with the tithe. Notice obedience, because obedience is something that we need to reckon with. This, these aren't good suggestions in scripture. Obedience is obeying what God has called us to do, but it's in grace. We know it. It's not a legalistic system. It's not the the, uh, you know, rules and regulations. It's, I want to obey because I'm thankful. I love you, Lord. And so I obey. Joyful generosity with the offering. Joyful. Actually, the scriptures, and we'll read that where it comes from, it's almost joyful hilarity. A light, in other words, our hearts are not heavy. You know, this isn't a mournful occasion. It's a, like a memorial service attitude for me handing over money to God. Not at all. And then the third thing, it's integrity and wisdom with the rest. Now, that's what we're trusting God for you now. Now, I've had to learn this lesson. Many have had to learn this lesson. You know, I've, when I bring an eldership couple onto uh, our team, uh, we ask several questions, and one of them I say, may I see your budget? I want to see if there is some form of responsibility, and I want to see, does God appear in that budget? Now some, I've had a printout from one, and they aren't on eldership anymore. I got a, I don't know how many page printout uh, from, you know, like an Excel type program. And listed was, gave two rand to the car guard, you know, for the monthly expenses. They could account down to the last bean. That is like for me, I, I just blew my mind. But others come with a little piece of paper and they just got written down a few things. Others, it's, it's, they have no clue how much they owe. They have no clue, you, you know, not too sure. Is my income still that, not that? You know, I'd, there's just nothing in there. And so we've been there. Adele and I have had to sit down and we've had to work out a budget and we work to it. And every single year I go and revise it, make sure that it's all in order. And of course, as God blesses, we make good decisions with that. So this is how our budget's reflect kingdom values. Number one, put God first. And you know how we put God first is with our giving, tithes and offerings. And then secondly, handle the rest with wisdom and integrity. 
I'm just doing the broad headlines. As I said, we have great courses that can help you with this. But handle the rest with wisdom and integrity. And under that, kind of a sub-points, we should have a clear understanding of what we earn and what we spend. That's, that's what a budget's about. It's, I'm not living blindly. In other words, it's just kind of filling and emptying a wallet, you know, carelessly spending a credit card. You know, it's, it's with sadness that too many because of the way in which banks operate. And I do feel that they are cavalier and they're out of control. Banks are. Because they, the, to the unsuspecting, and we need to have eyes wide open, they just offer credit all over the place. And eventually we can have several credit cards maxed out, overdraft, personal loan, and all of that. And I'm bound now financially. Finally, that battle has won. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches have strangled me and this word's going to produce nothing. I'm in a desperate place now. And so we need to have a clear understanding. We need to record it. What do I spend on groceries? What do I spend on this? Are we agreed on these things? Very important. And then in this all, you need to know the true cost of debt. You know what? We still don't know. But when you go and look at some of the stats on this, we pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions in a lifetime, just to service debt. Countries live that way. The richest America lives on debt. You know, there are very few places, Singapore and I think Norway and a few others, they actually run on reserves. I know some of the Arab nations because of the oil deposits and that, uh, China as well, but it's too much as, is, is credit all the time. No, we, that is not a system that we see in Scripture. Uh, it's owe, it says, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed. This is Romans 13, verses 7 and 8. Honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So be free of debt. We don't want obligations that way because it will strangle us. It really will. And then um, still underhandle the rest with wisdom and integrity is savings of some sort. Saving even to give, to bless others. Saving to go on a holiday. Saving to replace a washing machine. Instead of just buying something on credit and paying almost twice the value, monthly payments on the thing or twice the value on the clothes that you've bought on a card, or twice the value of whatever it is that you bought, rather save. Save for those things. Get into another way of doing finance, which is biblical, and it's rather safe for these things. And then third point under how our budgets reflect kingdom values is agreement between husband and wife. We need agreement. Agreement is vital. Vital that we have it, because that's where some of the marital breakdown is, is the hardest, and, the, and it hurts. And, and you don't know what your wife's doing. She doesn't know what you're doing. And there's no understanding of where we go. No plan in place. Now, if you need help, and as you sit in there as a couple, she's banging your ribs with her elbow. You're busy trying to remind her this is a discussion you've had. You've kind of tried to work through this, and it doesn't seem as though it's working. Please speak to one of the leaders, one of the elders. We'd love to sit with you and help you work this out in a very practical way. So now, platform's laid. I'm going to go fairly quickly. I am going to rely on your understanding of Isaac. Uh, Isaac and the events that happened in his life, especially 
in Genesis chapter 26. So what does Isaac teach us about stewardship? Okay, this is going to be the way it's going to go. There are three main areas that Isaac teaches us in these three areas. Number one, continuity of vision. So God's plan was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you see it mentioned many times in uh, kind of the narrative when they're commenting on the birth of the nation, the vision of the nation, the well-being of the nation of Israel. They'll always talk about the vision being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All three were important. And Isaac is kind of the connection. And for me, he kept the vision alive. He was commanded to do that. He wanted to, during this famine, it says in Genesis 26, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Too many times people would go to Egypt for relief. And God was saying, nope, you need to continue to trust me. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be there with you and will bless you. Uh, For to you and your offspring, I will give you all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring. That was going to happen with Jacob. As the stars of heaven and will give to you and give to you your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerah. There we go. So obedience, obedience. That's the one thing is through obedience, Isaac continued this vision. He, He made sure that the baton didn't drop. And we'll see how this applies in a minute. And then he sowed faithfully no matter what. That scripture has been misunderstood. Let's read it quickly. It says in verse 12 of chapter 26, And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled uh, with earth all the wells that his father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. You are now much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. Wonderful story. So first it starts with him sowing faithfully. That is important. Are you hearing? It's important. He sowed. It didn't matter what the circumstances. We read a passage of scripture that helps us understand that. Of course, God encouraged us to give what we are able, but God also encouraged us to give even above that. Because here's the thing, we cannot outgive God, and as he leads us, in that we are declaring our dependency is on God and not on our reserve. And so where the scripture has been misunderstood and it's been preached that way, so in famine and immediately God is going to reward you a hundredfold. So today I just want to encourage you there and you there and you there. If you want to give a hundred times it by a hundred, that means you're going to get 10,000 back. That's not how it works. It's, It's we are sowing 
because we are moved of God and we know that there is a reward coming. And often that reward is not just finance. I never want to reduce it to just that. I'm part of the nature of God. I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing his blessing. And in every way, I'm going to see the blessing of God because that's how God works. And then the third thing that Isaac teaches us, keep the wells open and open new wells. And so we've seen him now open the wells that the Philistines blocked up and he names them after the name that his father Abraham had named them. And he digs new ones. Verse 22, he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it so he called the name Rehoboth saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I'm the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I'm with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. So here we have a wonderful principle of opening the wells that his father had dug, giving them the same names, and then digging new wells to celebrate this ongoing revelation of what God's doing in his life. So let's have a look at these in an allegorical sense and apply it to how we handle our finances or our stewardship. First one, continuity. Continuity. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So God continues speaking to uh, uh, Isaac now with the same promises he made to his father Abraham we can read those in Genesis 12 and 22 and so you know what Abraham initiated <clears throat> Isaac continued in obedience and so th this is a known fact the vision usually breaks down in the second generation so let's try and kind of apply that to finances is we make the decision we are going to tithe, we're going to give, we're going to handle our finances as good stewards. So you're listening online. Uh, we're going to do this the right way. The challenges come, there's difficult situations we go through, and then the baton drops. We take our eyes off the biblical principles, and then we do it our way, and it breaks down. So what Isaac encourages us with is carry on. Doesn't matter about famine, doesn't matter about anything Keep doing it God's way because God's way will produce fruit season by season. Faithful persistence in what God has given. Did he see the nations like his father? Did he see the, his ancestors? Did he see multitudes? Did he see you know, all these blessings? Was he in charge of all this land? Was it his? No, 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 no. And often we, we aren't seeing the outcome, but we need to continue to be obedient. We need to continue to keep our shoulder to the plow. And so this issue of financial stewardship, God's way, in obedience, is we've got to stick to the plan through every season and through every challenge. doesn't matter if it's lack or plenty, we do it. Second principle is the sowing principle. You know, Isaac faithfully sowed in a time of famine, and he saw an amazing and supernatural harvest. When you think of sowing, in times of drought, what do you think? Come on, we South Africans. Uncle Angus planting potatoes <laughs> when there was a drought and God miraculously kind of caused a harvest. So there was a miraculous aspect to this that we need to understand. And so as with keeping the vision alive, we continue to give. We continue through every season we're going through. 
without growing weary, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, we carry on sowing. You see, the sowing through all of those means it's not now, it's easy to sow when the wallet's full. It's easy to sow when there's plenty, perhaps. Sometimes that's also trying. But it's, you know, it's kind of when we don't have enough, then we want to rather say, well, you know, I need the tithe more than the church does, and I need this offering more than, you know, whatever they want to do with it, so I'll just keep it. No, we continue to be faithful. Let me read that passage I talked to you about earlier in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, listen, have overflowed in wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And then right at the end in verse 7, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this gift of grace also. That's why last week we said, you know, giving is a grace. It's a grace. It's something of the nature of God that I move into. And he's saying to them, excel in this. Don't sow sparingly. Don't be fair weather when it comes to this. In other words, only if it's good or I feel in the right mood or whatever. No, God will understand. Yes, of course he does because God loves us and he's gracious, but God wants us to come back to the biblical principle. And it's important to note that, and we never mentioned it last week, but Jesus is sitting at the offering. And you know, this offering comes in and you know, there's a big fanfare and then this widow comes and she puts in her two mites I believe it was worth about five rand, probably compared to the big offering of the other person. And in God's eyes, this was out of a lack she gave. She gave everything. And then he says, not so with the other. And so I want to encourage us. This thing of sowing, we don't stop with our talents. We don't stop with our time. We don't stop with our finances. And man, God raises us up for such opportunities. It's with joy we see the picture in the book of Acts with Barnabas and the others bringing in this offering so that the church can be resourced. You, you see, yes, a deal. Often in our minds, I would invest a million bucks in some kind of system that could ensure 10, 15% growth in a short time. The shorter, the better, because now I can go and make more money. But would you sow that kind of money into the kingdom for the sake of resourcing the work of God? God anoints us to do that, and I do feel our hearts are challenged. Last one is possibly a little more tricky. So we've had continuity sowing, and the last one, we'll end with this one, of course, is wells. You see, these wells needed to be steward, stewarded, maintained, and protected to keep providing the life-giving water that was necessary for crops, herds, and households to flourish, especially in a land that was going through famine. So faithful stewardship of God's provision is important, um, you know, in the kingdom. It's, it's important. The enemy stopped up the wells. The enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes to give us life. And so in this sense, um, um, Isaac opens these wells that Abraham had dug 
You know, these were advancements. I've dug a well, now we can be resourced. Truth of God, the Word of God, the revelation of God out of Scripture, I've dug a well. As for me and my house, we are going to serve God. I've dug a well, we're going to give, we're going to tithe, we're going to be generous. We're going to handle our finances God's way. The enemy will come in like a flood, wanting to stop those wells, wanting to block them. So, no, we've got to get back to those and we've got to redig them. We've got to kind of chuck all that nonsense out. And you see, the enemy will attempt to choke the truth with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Remember I talked to you about Matthew 13, 22. As for what is sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world, the pleasures of life, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfaithful. We wonder why we don't have the results that we should have because this word has been sown into our hearts but somehow we've allowed the well to be choked up. And so we need to take, we need to deal with that. We need to fight for these kingdom values of financial freedom and, financial and faithful stewardship. Don't allow the enemy to block the well. And like Isaac, reopen those and then let's grow. Let's not only keep the ground we've got, but let's grow. Let's you know, allow God to challenge us again and again and to add truth to us. So we're not only obedient to you know that that first step but now we grow in there's depth like Paul says to well the writer in the book of Hebrews says I, I really want to come with meat but we're still handling milk issues with you I want to grow I want to have so many wells open that I'm able to resource so much more than just me and mine because I'm sowing into a situation where this gospel can go out from where we are right here to the ends of the earth and I'm part of it because I might not be the one with the vision to go. I might not be the pioneer who's going to go and blast open a, a new frontier. But man, I'm supporting that in my prayer and in any way God gives me the opportunity, including finances. <coughs> so do we want your finances? Let's clear that up. Does the kingdom want your finances? Does God want your finances? No, God wants all of you. Really, for me, the bottom line of Christianity is God wants it all, and we need to yield to him. So let's learn some great lessons from Isaac. We trust God that for each of us, uh, as we study these scriptures, as we understand these scriptures, we grow in our faithfulness and be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. Brilliant. Hope you guys have a great day today. Love you. See you at prayer meeting.